My name is Scott Weiss, and you're listening to Let's Get to Work, the podcast series that dives deep into recruiting and hiring trends, the global workforce, the future of work, job search tips, technology, and more. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Let's Get to Work. I am your host, Scott Weiss. You know, nowadays, branding and specifically personal branding is a thing, right? It's a big thing. You've got uh, Instagram, you've got Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn really in the last couple of years has emerged in a big way as a platform for professionals who want to go above and beyond just the resume and really create an identity for themselves. It's a, it's a great way to get yourself out there, to share content, get, get a, build a network, get people to know who you are and what you do. And we're very fortunate today to have uh, a special guest with us who is sort of a guru in this space. Chantel Sumas has built a tremendous following on LinkedIn uh, because she brings a very fresh and unique perspective around branding and whether it's branding for your uh, organization or for you as an individual, she has got some really great insight in terms of how to take advantage of some of these emerging platforms and what it takes to be successful. And so I'm happy to have her here today uh, because I want to get to know her a little bit and what motivated her to move in this direction with her career and hopefully share with the listeners some tips that they can apply immediately, regardless of how mature their whole branding initiative is, and um, and just kind of see how we can put these things to work. So Chantel, it is great to have you here. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to nerd out about branding. <laughs> Let's do it. Nerd out. I love it. So Chantel, you um, have been working in the marketing space for a number of years, um, specifically doing things like search engine optimization, email marketing, um, you know, branding and advertising. Tell me a little bit about uh, your background, you know, how you got to that point and then ultimately how you arrived at this whole thing uh, around around branding as, as sort of a a functional thing that people can can do like where did this all start for you yeah it was actually all by happenstance or by accident a happy accident if you will in bob ross's terms and i um i was raised by entrepreneurs and three older brothers so my parents ran a firm um, that they launched from scratch and i had the opportunity to learn there on how to build a lead generation strategy and then the digital revolution started and I had to learn how to code to update their website and I had to learn how to build a social media following in a very lame, I guess, kind of often boring area of financial services that's also highly regulated. So all of these challenges came into play and it really got me excited and and playing with marketing. I didn't actually realize it was something I could do for a living and get paid really well doing it. I actually went to school for nursing. So um, I didn't finish my nursing degree. I realized I wasn't cut out to learn chemistry (laughs) after failing it twice. Um, But the um, business law side really excited me as well as the financial services side and understanding the creative aspect of life and building creative strategies that really make an impact and can convert interested strangers into best friends and customers. 
So you, that's great. And so you, uh, did you work for your parents' business for a period of time? Oh, yeah. I, as soon as I could answer phones, I was sitting behind the desk earning my college education. So, um, yeah, I think as early as, I think 11 or 12 is when I would work 10 to 20 hours a week helping out on nights and weekends. So your mom and dad had a business together uh, and that they started together and built together? Yes, you got it. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, that's really interesting. Uh, I'm the son of parents that did the same thing. My dad had started as a, you know, his career in sales. He started his first business with a with a partner. It failed epically. Uh, <laughs> we moved from Los Angeles to Seattle and him and my mom decided to start a staffing business together and it just kind of took off. And I think that, you know, when you look at couples, oftentimes relationships that are successful are successful because the the two parties kind of balance each other out, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And um, I think that was very clear to me in terms of my parents' success in business. Um, why it was successful is because they both brought unique skills to the table and kind of balanced each other out. Was that kind of your experience as well? Oh, 100%. And I saw the total, they're, they're polar opposites. My mom is so creative and um, she's the people person. And my dad is very logical, numbers-based, and he sits at his desk, you know, and crunches all of that. So there was definitely that. And I, as well, was like, how do you manage a relationship, a marriage, working together, living together, you're never apart. And their love is such a, um, they set the example for me for what I have with my husband and my business by building that balance and making sure that everything is communications based because without a solid line of communication, there is no understanding and that's a grounds for toxic to toxicity, right? So, I mean, it's been a huge opportunity and watching them struggle, you know, I, they told me, you know, Chantal, never become an entrepreneur, never own your own business, because it's so much work. Um, but then we learned how to do it right. And I think they ended up figuring it out in offloading and delegating and streamlining so that we can have this well oiled machine, right, that just hums along. So it's been amazing. I feel very blessed. They were also, um, their parents were immigrants. So it was kind of like that American dream. So making sure that they were creating something from scratch and building a success from nothing and going from dumpster diving to having a three course meal was something so extraordinary. So it was beautiful to watch. I feel so blessed. And, and what role do you think seeing your parents have their own business and be self-employed what role did that play in ultimately your decision to not maybe follow the straight and narrow track of having a job, working for a company, working your way up the corporate ladder and carving out a niche for yourself where you can be self-employed and build your own business and do it without having that support or that foundation of being an employee of a larger organization? You know, that's a really good question. And I think it's because I never really had that fit. I've never really fit in. I had three older brothers. So in order to get any attention, I had to be goalie and take slap shots to the gut until I got the wind knocked out of me. And I realized that that's just not how my life was. It's how society is. And there really isn't a, a cookie cutter approach to anything. So my life really changed a few years ago when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis shortly after I had my son and I lost my ability to see. 
Um, I went blind in both eyes. I lost my ability to walk. Um, I just, my brain wasn't signaling to my body to move my legs. And um, along with so many other issues, like the lack of feeling in my hands and feet. And there was one point in time where I was like basically a vegetable because I couldn't even remember and respond to my own name. And then it was like, well, not only do I have to work in a workforce and earn my own stripes, but now I have to do it all with a disability. And that was brutal. I mean, checking off that box on the application process that says, yes, I'm disabled, it triggers so much unconscious bias and uh, immediate thoughts go through your mind of, oh, this person's got limitations. They're going to need all of these accommodations. They're going to suck up our benefits for health insurance. And um, that was really the differentiator where I had to focus in on myself as, a, as an asset to society and get that hope to build myself up as not just a mother and a human, but also as, a, as an asset to the business economy. And um, that's really when I started advocating and voicing and differentiating myself from the rest of the, the workforce in using this, this strength through adversity mentality, similar to what our amazing veterans go through, right? And bringing this home from, from war. And we really need to look at it more as that like superpower and strength, which is what I bring to clients then in figuring out which perceived parameters or flaws people and businesses have and how can we make that work for us to make us stand out? This is great. So this is a fact about yourself I did not know. So you gave birth to your son and then shortly thereafter received this diagnosis? Yes. It's crazy what hormone imbalance will do to your body and your immune system. <laughs> wow. So you so you give birth to your son. You find out that you have this, this disability or uh, this... Uh, condition. Um, and then you have to start looking for work or going back to work. Was that kind of the original plan? Was that after you gave birth to your son, you'd kind of re-enter the workforce? Well, when I, when I gave birth to my son, I had new goals to be more than just a coordinator. And I was presented a job offer that had all the bells and whistles. It was a management position. I was 23 or 24. It was going to be great. But everything fell through after I gave my notice to my career and the job just vanished out of thin air like that. So I had to start from scratch and I was jobless. And that's when I had to apply for jobs with a disability and it changed everything. So that that experience as a job seeker with a disability sort of crystallized the Chantel 2.0 and this new version of yourself. <laughs> and it sounds like that's what you're saying. Is it, would you Would you agree that that's accurate? Yeah, little by little. I mean, it definitely didn't happen overnight. It was so, there was so much mental warfare that came in and it was really dark for a long time. And I did end up finding a job and I worked fine at it, but I realized it, it, it was a to another toxic place. So I really had to differentiate myself as a superhero versus the chronically ill patient um, and have that work for me. And that's so, so what, what I, made, what made it, I don't mean to cut you off. What yeah. made it toxic? I want to hit on that before I miss that. Yeah, absolutely. So what made it toxic was, um, micromanagement. Um, my boss had his, his, I was working in a cube and he had his, his office right behind me. So he was literally watching every single thing that I did. 
And if I wasn't typing on my keyboard, he'd be asking, what's going on over there? It was so bad. But he was a great person. He was just a terrible boss. Yeah. <laughs> Which is oh, very oh. common, right? So yeah, yeah bad habits and, and just never really uh, properly learning to effectively uh, coach and train and manage folks. So so really it was the relationship that you had in that setting that kind of made it uncomfortable and, and as you described, toxic. And was that sort of the, the, the last straw for you where you said, look, th- there's got to be more than this. And um, I know I can do something big. I know that I have it with within me to go way beyond this. And was would you say that that was sort of the, the, the ultimate trigger for you to kind of jump into what you're doing now? No, there was another element. And that was that I had signed on to be more commission-based with lead generation. And I pulled in all of these numbers and I was working 60 hours a week. And when I presented my leads at the end of the quarter, I was only accepted for two out of 20. So I basically had $15,000 in commission robbed from me. And um, that's that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, no, I'm worth more than this. I think everybody is worth more than this that put in an effort like that. So that's what really made me pull the plug <laughs> and go elsewhere. And so... And so that moment for you was like, all right, that's it. And then was there, did you have like a light bulb moment of where you said, okay, this is the path I need to take. Um, I know I can do this on my own. Um, I've proven that I have a skill that I could apply. Uh, Like what was, what was the vision that you had at that moment? Or was it more of just a general, I need to do something different? No, it was, it was, it was a immediate, I need to find a job a different job from this quick fix of being unemployed with a disability. Um, and then it was the the easing. It, it wasn't your standard, like, I'm going to take the leap situation that a lot of entrepreneurs face. Like, screw it all. I'm, I'm going free right now. I wasn't like that. I was so, um, so paranoid from being jobless with a disability without health insurance, too. All of that trauma had me thinking like, I need to make sure that I always have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D and a plan E. And so my escape was getting another job from that. And then having all of these people come through my door on LinkedIn by building a strong foundation there, a clear, consistent voice. That's what built my business. I mean, it was really me leveraging my understanding of marketing and communications, setting the foundation, setting the stage up for success on LinkedIn. And that's when the game totally changed. And that's why I love LinkedIn and building brands. <laughs> so so this is interesting. So what you're saying, if I'm hearing it correctly, is that all the while you had this toxic job and then some of the other things that you'd been doing before that, you were kind of slowly starting to build a presence for yourself on LinkedIn. Uh, that wasn't a requirement of your job. You weren't in any kind of management capacity. You just figured, Hey, I might as well just start building out a network. And I'm guessing that you were doing, uh, like posting with regularity. Uh, I don't know if you were doing video at the time, posting status updates, commenting, that sort of thing. And this was all kind of happening in the background while you were doing these jobs and excuse me, including the toxic job. And then kind of before you knew it, this thing started to take on a life of its own. Yes. It breathed so much life and love into my life. It was just beautiful. 
So what kinds of things were you like, what was your LinkedIn activity like? I mean, Ugh. if you're a, a coordinator or an assistant uh, or a receptionist or, you know, you're not you don't have some what most people consider glamorous job. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you still go on LinkedIn and create value? Uh, you know, is are, like what kinds of things were you doing that were drawing people to you? Oh, absolutely. I think um, when I joined on the platform in 2017, I joined right in the nick of time to follow amazing influencers on that platform to bring real life problems to it. You know, it, it was perceived as this, this very buttoned up place to either put your, your resume and apply for jobs or kind of educate yourself. It wasn't a social platform, which, um, transformed in late 2017 when a few super users on the platform launched something called the hashtag let's get honest campaign and what that was was it encouraged users to get honest get vulnerable about being a professional um, being an adult and working and what I chose as my topic was um, applying for work with a disability or working in the status quo positions with um, visual, severe visual impairment and mobility issues. And people were shocked. They were shocked to find out that I have disabilities. They were shocked to find out that um, the world lacks so much accessibility. And they were also shocked to find out how challenging it is to find a job. <laughs> I thought they didn't have, the people didn't even know that there's a box that you check on equal opportunity employer survey when you apply for careers that say I'm disabled. So it was really an eye opener, not just for society, but also for myself to build this community of people who really do care. They really do care about um, the community and making a better place for our friends and family and future generations. So that's awesome. How awesome. So you're, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's yeah, sorry. So that, you go. No, I go. No, you go. I wonder if this will be an editing moment for me or maybe we'll just keep it. I'm not sure. So so what I was going to say to you is you're doing this. You're sharing your truth. Right. And you're kind of riding this kind of wave of uh, influencers who you're seeing do the same thing. And, and you're just, you know, Chantel. Right. You know, you probably have, I don't know, maybe a few hundred, few thousand connections or followers but you start putting out this truth about yourself and you find that it's resonating, right? And so what, what you start, um, I guess, seeing engagement, uh, what kind of, what kind of content were you putting out there at the time? Was it video? Was it, uh, posts? Was it articles? Were you commenting on other people's, uh, posts? How were you creating this engagement? And then how did you start to kind of see this feedback and start measuring that? Wow. I'm actually building my own kind of community now. And then probably what ultimately happened is you figured out ways that you could, I, I hate to say monetize it, but start to make a living from that. But you know, what, what were you doing that you started to see resonate with people? Yeah. I mean, all of the above, I would share parts of my story. I would give background information. I would share other people's stories, um, to build community and, bring other people into the spotlight, right? But how I launched it off was I did not use video. I was so scared of video. 
I um, tend to be the person always taking content or pictures or whatnot. If you go to my Instagram, it's usually food and puppies. It's not selfies and success, uh, or it wasn't at that time for sure. But um, it was really some super users who noticed the value in video that forced me, literally forced me to be on video. And as soon as I started seeing the, um, the reach, it just propelled everything further. I mean, the reach on video was 20 times stronger than an image. But LinkedIn's algorithm really favors that feed variety. So I was still using images and text only. Um, and now they have document capability, so you can share PDFs, which is really neat. And it, um, again, the, the feed, the algorithm favors that variety. So if you do a variety of things, you'll see that natural flow and reach be more consistent. So it's been, to answer your question, the consistency was everything. Um, like bringing it down to statistics, right? 94% of users on LinkedIn are just lurkers. Like they just check in, they'll check out what people are doing. They probably won't like things or comment. Then you got 5% of users that are likers or commenters. They might comment every once in a while, but they're not creating their own content. Then you have the 1%, 1% of 650 million profiles that actually create content twice a week, right? So going on consistently. You create two things on Tuesday and on Thursday, right? You share it for a month straight, you're automatically in the top 1%. So that was like, if there's any time to join a non-saturated market, it's now. This is like YouTube in the early days before everything was noise. You know, this is, it was a beautiful chance and I joined at the right time and now is still the right time. Those metrics are still 1% creators and the profiles just continue to soar. The user, um, people, active users, it just keeps climbing. So now's the time. If anybody's listening to this, you guys need to get on LinkedIn and start your strategy. Yeah, well, I'm sure a lot of the people, if not almost all probably are and just hadn't really thought about it that way. So how did you, but like, so you start posting, you said uh, a mix of different types of content. Obviously uh, you saw traction, right? I mean, you didn't, it wasn't an echo chamber where you'd post something and then you'd get maybe one or two likes. I mean, you clearly were seeing people not only liking, but reflecting back to you. It was, it was doing something. Um, you were making an impact. Would you say at that time you weren't necessarily thinking about it from a monetary perspective? You were just kind of responding more to the the good feeling that you were getting by putting yourself out there and seeing that you were making an impact on people. Is that kind of what propelled you initially? Absolutely. Um, and you'll see that there are coaches and consultants and entrepreneurs everywhere all over LinkedIn. And people kept saying, why aren't you monetizing this? Why aren't you bringing in money for this? And that's when I really got a lot of help in formulating my, my brand and my service offering. And then it took off from there. It was amazing. I mean, last week alone, because of two strong videos, I brought in eight leads and about $30,000 in, in service sales in just one week from two wow. videos. Right. So sky's the limit. It's really amazing. So people were saying to you like, okay, you're, this is great stuff. Why aren't you monetizing this? In what sense? Like, 
Because if, if I'm just an average Joe or Jane listener and I'm like, okay, I'm willing to go ahead and start doing this. I'll make my first video. I'll post about something that I think is interesting. What are like, what, what was the messaging to you around like monetizing it? Was it people coming to you saying like, you clearly know what you're doing. Can you help me do the same thing? Um, was it, the messaging that you're sharing is interesting and we want to support you. What, what, in what way were people encouraging you to sort of move this towards more of a business mindset and not just a, Hey, I'm doing this for kind of fun thing. Good question. It was a mixture of everything. I mean, when I, I'm from a sales and marketing background, I've been in marketing for 15 years. So all the content and, and storytelling that I had there, along with seeing the evolution of social media and public relations, especially PR in a digital landscape with social media galore, people were really interested in that. So not only was I having people come to me for help killing it on LinkedIn, right? Or penetrating the noise on LinkedIn. But I also had all these people saying, I, I resonate with your message. I received your call to action, which is usually like contact me if you need help with your marketing strategy or your social strategy. Um, and from there it flew last week because of the success that I had, it all was rooted, rooted down to having a call to action and saying, this is what I do. Call me if you need help with this problem. And sure enough, I mean, the calls came in. So do not neglect your call to action on your content. That's for sure. Yes. So all of the above, LinkedIn, um, seeing what I was doing, they wanted to do it too. And seeing that I'm a marketing consultant and hiring me for those outsourced projects. And so are these like when you say companies saying they or people or users saying they have a problem that you can help solve for them? Is that um, like, you know, how do we get ourselves more visible on LinkedIn? Is it how do we position ourselves on LinkedIn? Is it uh, like what what would you say is the core or the core problems that you're you're helping solve for these people? A lot of people don't know where to begin. A lot of people have no idea what differentiates them from the rest of the crowd. Um, specifically people will come to me and say, I really want to build a network and I want to build a name for myself, but I don't know what to do or how to begin. Um, also you're going to see in 2020 that there's a big push for organic driven content instead of these influencers that are just pushing numbers out and getting sponsorships that way, where it really gives big corporations the upper hand because they can have their executive leadership build these beautiful personal brands and represent the company that way, which is huge because it's this human to human approach instead of this company to consumer approach, which everybody's had enough of. So the way that marketing is changing, it's beautiful because there's so much opportunity and it's more organic, but that also brings so many more challenges because it's uh, you got to have skin in the game, which means long hours, which means you're dedicating time and you're getting an expert that has inside knowledge to provide you the information to pierce through the noise. Like, I mean, it's all really about that and being authentic, but getting opportunity from it, if you know what I mean. A lot of people um, with a distraction, not knowing where to begin, they don't know that you need to ask in order to receive, right? So it's that call to action in your content that's critical. Now, use it every time? No, you don't wanna use it every time because 
it can get spammy if you're just constantly selling yourself and your services. Um, but you want to make sure that every piece of content that you deliver relates to who you are and the services that you provide. So it all comes full circle. Now, what if I don't necessarily want to put myself out there on LinkedIn as somebody like you who can help other people with their branding? Can I still use it? What if I'm a sales rep in the technology sector? Or what if I'm um, like myself, you know, a headhunter, an independent headhunter? Or what if I am a graphic designer or God knows what? I mean, do, do I have to have the intention of I want to build a brand for myself on LinkedIn because I want to help other people do the same thing? Or can I use that platform for any purpose, really? Oh, my gosh, any purpose. And actually, a lot of my um, my clients are executive level employees that are just trying to build brand awareness and sales, sales generation, lead generation for their company. Um, so for the recruiters as well, I mean, talent's out there. There's people out there. If you're not building your community, what are you doing if you're a recruiter, right? So I think there's a spot for absolutely everybody on LinkedIn if it's not just to learn and grow as a valuable asset to the to the community or the workforce. Yeah, and to that point, I've been following uh, one indiv individual recently who she is a job seeker and she is taking to LinkedIn to brand herself as a job seeker. And I think her goal is to find a job. But in the meantime, she's building this community around her challenges in seeking an employment. So you just don't know which direction things are going to go, right? I don't think when you were doing this back when you were working in that toxic job and you were just getting started, you probably didn't really know what the end game looked like, right? I don't know if you knew very deliberately that you were going to become this LinkedIn branding expert, that people were going to pay money to help them do that. You were just doing what made you feel good and you were inspired and you were inspiring others and um, look at where it got you, right? So would you agree that it's like, it's okay to not know what the end game is? Or do you think it's important that you have a very deliberate focus and, and, and why you're doing this? Uh, otherwise, you're just kind of shooting in the winds, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. It's... I think both. So it's important to live with intention regardless. Whatever whatever you do, you should live with intention. And I think that's that that's a big problem that we have in our society today is that people go out and we're on autopilot all the time and we just don't have intention, which is a very deep topic. We can get into another day. But um, for people who don't really know and are just flying with the wind wherever it takes them, that's fabulous. That's how I got to where I am today. However, um, I didn't build success and I didn't build this, th these revenue generating opportunities and, and feeling the financial benefit of all of this without the intention. So there is that point in time where you have to stop let, letting the wind blow you places and take control. And then you need to start blowing the wind yourself, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think to add to that, it's also kind of look and listen for signals, right? I mean, uh, you're going to start to get inputs and you've got to be able to sort of use your kind of instinct to look at, okay, where, what's resonating, what's working, where am I creating value for people and then capitalize on those opportunities. And to that point, I mean, it's easy for you to say, um, like, just start doing it. Right. I mean, but you're a, a very smart person. You look very good on video. Um, you know, 
you, you, you carry yourself extremely well and professionally. Um, what about people that are trying to do the things that you're describing, but maybe aren't creating traction? Maybe they're putting content out there that doesn't resonate or they're making videos where they're not coming across as likable. I mean, how do you know if what you're doing is working or not working? I mean, what, what measurement can you use? And then to that note, when is too, when is enough too much? Like you mentioned posting on Tuesday and Thursday. I mean, if I'm posting every day a week, every day of the week, and I'm getting five likes here, eight likes there, seven likes here. I mean, how do I know if what I'm doing is working and how do I, or how do I know if like I'm putting stuff out there that just, it's, it's actually hurting me. It's hurting my, my brand. Um, what, what advice do you have around that? I have so much advice and I don't even know where to begin because that that's a lot of questions that you just threw at me. Um, but with, so understanding, ugh, Building smart goals is, is your, if you're going to be doing it intentionally and you're going to put down your foot, stop letting the wind blow you in a million directions, you need to have those measurable goals. And those measurable goals can be measured by different variables, right? It can be landing leads, generating leads. It can be closing sales. It can be making connections and, and increasing your, your, community database there by getting a thousand followers a month or so, so forth. But you really do need to establish those goals in order to be able to measure them, right? So that's number one. Number two would be um, if you're very, very serious about making LinkedIn work for you or making a social platform work for you and building a digital reputation that establishes thought influence, reach out to an expert or just follow one of them. You can follow me. I post some stuff about it that can definitely deliver that value, but it's not something you can learn overnight. It's not something that you'll learn in a, a week or a month. There's no blueprint for it. Unfortunately, if somebody tries to sell you a blueprint for LinkedIn success, don't buy it because everybody in every industry is so different. And that's what makes it so special is it's so built on authenticity. So to answer your question, um, everything and nothing. <laughs> that was yeah, yeah, there you go. That's exactly what they want to hear, right? Yeah. Okay. No, well, let me, you're right. I did kind of load a bunch of questions in. So let me try to narrow it down. Um, how do I know if, I guess maybe you answered the question. I was going to say, how do I know if what I'm doing is not working? And you said you got to have goals. So maybe like if you're just getting started, your goal is I'm going to post twice a week for the next six months. And I want to see that my network starts to grow. It could be as simple as that, right? There doesn't have to be a monetization aspect to it. There doesn't have to be a lead generation aspect to it. You could just start there, right? And would you say that that would be maybe your baby step into this? If you're someone that's listening to this and you're like, yeah, I want to get started, but like, I don't even know what I'm, what I'd be doing or why I'd be doing it. Oh, hundred percent. If you don't know what you're doing or why you'd be doing it, my best suggestions, I have two tips. One, go follow people that you respect and admire that maybe you want to be like, you want to feel their vibe and, and their tribe re reflects what you want to build because then you can go in and comment on their, their, their content you can engage with other users and build your community that way. Because right there, you already have met your community. You just gotta bring them over and make them family. And then two would be really emphasizing the importance of engagement, engaging on people's content, user content, because 
you can't expect people to come over and like and comment on your content if you're not doing the same for them. So that's when you really have to get the skin in the game and it requires some hours in the week. It's very time consuming, but the the numbers don't lie. It definitely delivers the the value and puts the food on the table. So um, it really does differ for everybody, but new users, follow your, your influencers and learn from them and engage. Those are some good tips. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, to your point, I mean, I've been on LinkedIn as a, as a professional headhunter working in staffing and recruiting, going back to, I remember it was probably around 2008 when one of my coworkers said, Hey, you got to get on LinkedIn. And I said, no, 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 no. That's just like <laughs> another Facebook. I'm not interested in trying to make my professional life social. I mean, really, and I, and I think that was a common um, perspective that people had, but I quickly recognized the power of it. And for myself and God, hundreds of thousands of other recruiters, it completely transformed the game for us, right? But that was more from using LinkedIn as a tool for recruiting. And it's only been within the, within the last couple of years of use, as you said, that it's started to emerge as something that you, you can't get off of Instagram or Facebook or, or even Twitter, where it's, it's content that's about, you know, work and profession and growth and things that are not just vanity for the sake of vanity. Like, you know, I think that's one of the challenges with Instagram is you see that the majority of the content that's on there is very kind of surface level. And that's, it seems like that's the kind of stuff people want to see on LinkedIn. So personally for me, within the past year, I just started putting content out there myself. And my goal starting was just to do it, right? Like that was it. I didn't really have anything to measure other than can I continue to increase the quality of what I'm putting out there? And can I find things in my day-to-day -day work life that I think would resonate. And so maybe now that I've been doing it for a year, I'm gonna to start to think about some of the things you're talking about, which is measurable calls to action. How can I actually take this now to the next level and try to start building my business from it? But I think it's okay to just start doing it. And I think that's the hardest part for people is, like you said, the 94% or whatever lurkers, they probably itch are itching to put themselves out there. They just don't really know where to start or how to start. And it could just be as simple as just sharing something, just start doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or just start liking and commenting and engaging. You don't need to create your own your own content to be active on the platform. In fact, most Good of point. the successful people on the platform that have the most followers are those because they, they go in and, and engage. They aren't creators. So yeah, I love how we deconstructed this starting at like the ultimate success and bringing it down to beginner level. It really really was interesting to to follow along and and see or hear. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like you said, if I mean, if you're going out and commenting on someone's post, you're still a creator, right? Mm -hmm. You're just not um giving necessarily birth to the original post, but I think that anybody that does create a post that what they're ultimately looking for is engagement, right? You want people to come and comment. You want to create a conversation. I mean, the best performing posts that I've ever gave birth to were the ones that the, had people talking about stuff. And that's ultimately where I get the most pleasure. And I've also seen sometimes my biggest success 
is not from the posts that I put out myself, but it's from comments that I've made on other people's posts that have really resonated and people that will discover me that otherwise wouldn't have known I existed because I was able to kind of piggyback on what someone else was saying. So I think that's a huge uh, point you make there, which is you don't necessarily need to create your own posts. You can go out and engage in conversation. Absolutely. You got it. And you can share stuff too. You can share already written articles that are out on the, the web that are very informational. People are there on LinkedIn to learn and to grow. So absolutely. There's so many options. All right. All right. So Chantel, so you're killing it now as a brand, a branding expert on LinkedIn. You're growing your business. Um, I, I have to imagine there's still a part of you right now that there's some, there's some, I don't want to say darkness or a dark place, but what's, what's the fear that you have now? Like what's the thing that keeps you awake at night? Um, despite all this success that you're having. Honestly, it, it ties right back around to chronic illness. Multiple sclerosis is an incurable disease. It's almost a cancer of the nervous system and it affects everybody differently. So I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow and need a, a tube in my trachea to help me breathe and be unable to talk and be on video and create. So my big fear goes down to having the time to live for my family, for my husband and my beautiful baby boy, and um, just just take advantage of what life really is. It doesn't have to be work. It doesn't have to be about money and, and making a success and delivering to clients. And that's why I'm so particular about who I take on as a client so that they understand that the flexibility of need and, and if there is an off day with illness and it does consume me where I have to put things off for a day, that's what the beauty is. But the fears are always there. You know, there's always those, that darkness that, um, as long as we keep it in sight, so we're aware, um, I think we have control. I think we have more control than most people. That's awesome. And, and, uh, Chantel, you are, uh, a, a great inspiration in that you've been able to, uh, take what would otherwise be like an affliction for somebody that would potentially hold them back. And you've really been able to lean into it and push yourself forward and super inspiring. And guys, um, go follow Chantel. Uh, she's on Instagram. She's on LinkedIn. Comment on her posts. That could be a way for you to get started. Uh, we will post this episode on LinkedIn and uh, hopefully create some engagement and conversation around it. Chantel, thank you so much for being here. It's really been a pleasure getting to know you and, and hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. When life gives you lemons, right? Make them work for you. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk again soon.